Good morning, it's Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here today for the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. Today in our catechesis, we're going to look at the parable of the wedding feast from Matthew 22. This picks up right where we left off yesterday with uh, the parable of the wicked vine dressers, and of course the Pharisees, or excuse me, the chief priests and elders, they knew that Jesus was speaking uh, of them. They were the wicked one, the wicked vine dressers who killed not only uh, the servants who had been sent, their, you mean the prophets, but also even the um, landowner's son, which uh, Jesus is telegraphing a bit. There is he not. All right, we're going to pick up where we left off. Um, with that. But first, let's begin with invocation. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, let's pray our psalm together, Psalm 90, one more time. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return, man, to dust, and say, Return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood, they are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, in the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are seventy, or even by reason of strength, eighty. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger? and your wrath according to the fear of you. So, teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants, and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Okay, memory verse, one more time. No temptation has overtaken you, except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. 
But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. All right. And our catechism for the week, the Lord's Prayer, the sixth petition. And lead us not into temptation. What does this mean? God tempts no one. We pray in this petition that God would guard and keep us so that the devil, the world, and our sinful nature may not deceive us or mislead us into false belief, despair, and other great shame and vice. Although we are attacked by these things, we pray that we may finally overcome them and win the victory. All right. First reading today is from Isaiah chapter 55. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. But it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. All right. This is probably a, a very familiar uh, text. Yeah, I, I've heard people quote it uh, to me. Right? My ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. Right? They love that verse to say, I don't understand who, what God is doing to me, uh, which is fair enough, right? We don't always understand. Um, but here, of course, the context is not just that there's some arbitrary um, thing happening to us, uh, but rather that everything we're experiencing um, is for our good and for our benefit, and it actually comes from God's loving hand. Now, that's a hard thing to, that's even harder thing to believe. Not that God sometimes is angry and sometimes is generous and joyful right, <laughs> with us, um, but that he actually always is operating for our benefit and for our well-being. I'm reminded of a uh, general prayer of intercession uh, in Lutheran service book. You know, there's a whole section of prayers in the middle. I think people don't know about the prayer aspect of the hymnal, but prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving um, in Lutheran service book. Mm, there you are. Uh, page 305 is when the prayers begin. Um, but you might, I don't know, if you've prayed one of these general intercessions, be a good prayer to pray uh, anytime, maybe at lunchtime. Uh, let's see if I can find it. I must have gone past it. Hold on a second. There's a couple in here which you could use, which uh, sometimes I've used as prayers of the church. All right, so this is from um, the prayer for worship or at worship for pardon, growth, and grace, and divine protection. Right? But listen to this, this bit. Guard and protect us from all dangers to body and soul. Grant that we may, with faithful perseverance, receive from you our sorrows as well as our joys, knowing that health and sickness, riches and poverty, all things come by permission of your fatherly hand. Keep us this day under your protective care and preserve us, etc. All, right? all things come from your fatherly hand. So that's the key um, to, I think, recognizing what the statement is in verse 8. 
your thoughts are not my thoughts, your ways my ways, um, but that he does accomplish uh, what is good for us, whether it be taking from us that which we put our fear, love, and trust, as you heard this past Sunday, or giving to us precisely as we need for our body and life in this moment. All right, good. Now our reading for catechesis from Matthew chapter 22. And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out other servants saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fatted calf or cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business. And the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious, and he sent out his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, and those are, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So, Those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have a wedding garment. So he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. There's that statement again. All right. So remember yesterday, as I said at the top, that uh, we had the chief priests and the uh, elders who were furious with Jesus, having convicted them so with his previous parable, that they uh, sought to seize him, but they did not because they feared the multitude uh, who took Jesus for a prophet. One of many uh, titles and various, well, really offices that he fills. All right. So uh, maybe it's worth noting what a parable is. We've been talking about parables quite a bit. There's quite a few here at the end of Matthew, right? So it's a story from Jesus, but it has a very particular purpose. As he told us with the purpose of parables way at the beginning, back in Matthew 8 probably or 7, right? That seeing they would not see and hearing they would not hear, right? It's a story that Jesus tells to hide or, for those who have ears to hear, reveal the mysteries about the kingdom of God, right? So he's not really telling us about the world. We actually don't need parables to understand the world. We, uh, as Luther reminds us in the uh, Christian questions and their answers, right? Uh, just look about, touch your touch your flesh and blood. You know that you're going to be tempted. You know that you're going to be sorely afflicted by the world. You know the devil's trying to seek after you. You don't even need God's word to tell you that you're going to be tormented this week, and and in need of con- the consolation of Christ's body and blood. So, uh, but to know of the kingdom of God, it has to be revealed because it is contrary to reason and experience. All right. So that's what a parable does, and the especially a parable of the kingdom like this. All right, so who's the king? God the Father, right? So we had him be the landowner, etc., right? And here he's the king, out thereby, who's his son? That would be Jesus, all right? Of course, it's a marriage, so we'll get to that in a minute. Um, who then are the servants who are sent out? All right, we have a couple generations of those, so this would be the prophets, the apostles, and eventually will be the pastors of the church, right? The apostolic ministry, okay? So, what is the wedding banquet of the son, uh, or of the father for the son and his bride, who we haven't mentioned yet? This would be uh, the consummation of all things, right? Their consummation is a helpful word. We use that with marriage. We can also use it for the last day, right? The heavenly feast. Um, so, who are the ones who were first invited? 
first to the Jew, then to the Gentiles. So these are the Jews, right? Israel. We have this uh, note about um, the father mentioning, or the king, who is also father, um, mentioning the dinner, having oxen and fatted calf. What, what do butchered oxen and fatted calves remind us of? You might think of the, another, another parable, like the prodigal son. Uh, but go Old Testament on me here. What do you think? Here I think you are to uh, remember the Old Testament sacrifices of the tabernacle and then temple, which all, if uh, you're going to take Jesus at his word, all of the sacrifices also um, testify to him, right? Foreshadow Christ, who is uh, our Passover lamb, of course, but also our fatted calf that was uh, roasted on the spit of the, uh, the cross for us, if you like, the gridiron, if you want. Okay, uh, so we have two kinds of responses here in Matthew's account to the invitation. Some made light of it and went about their, um, their farm or their business, right? Um, and then you have some that don't ignore, but some that um, see it as a hostile invitation. It's kind of amazing, right? It's supposed to um, just shock us that anybody would find an invitation to a wedding to be uh, hostile, right? So they seize the servants, treat them spitefully, and kill them, right? Of course, you, you probably have some past historic um, things, Old Testament uh, ideas in mind there as to when the, the servants of the Lord were seized despite coming with good news of, of glad tidings and were killed. Um, and you might even have future events that come afterwards, past and future historic events. Uh, maybe it's worth doing a little summary of some of those. How about uh, 2 Kings 25, right? When Nebuchadnezzar came and seized uh, besieged Jerusalem until um, the 11th year of Zedekiah and brought famine and then they broke through and they took uh, took the people away, right? So that's certainly in the background. The Babylonian exile would be one. Uh, let's see. We had a future event mentioned, well, not in Matthew, but how about in Luke's account? When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart. Let, and let not those who are in the country enter her, for these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. For there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Okay, so um, perhaps the destruction of Jerusalem would be uh, both the past one with the exile and then uh, maybe the future one, future as far as uh, Jesus' account here, which will happen in AD 70. Uh, but don't forget about another destruction and then uh, restoration. 1 Thessalonians 4, which I think is, by the way, once we get through Ezekiel, I want to do First and Second Thessalonians. So remind me, uh, those of you in Bible study on Sundays, that's what, we, what, what I'd like to do next with us for Bible study is to look at First and Second Thessalonians. Because uh, we don't hear those, we don't hear them in the lectionary um, too often, just like Ezekiel. So I think it's worth our attention. All right, anyway, First Thessalonians 4, For this we say to you by word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will raise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together. All right. You have all sorts of events being included there, I would say, past, present, and future 
regarding Jerusalem and uh, seizing the servants, treating them spitefully, killing them, of course, there we hear the restoration, the resurrection on the last day. All right, so why were the invited ones not worthy, right, which is the assessment of the king after uh, destroying them? Well, they had rejected his word, the king's word, who had been sent by his servants, right? They had rejected the preaching of the word of God, the word of the Lord. All right, so now we have invited, again, verse 10, uh, what, what sorts of folks? Uh, anyone, actually, the servants, anyone they found bad or good, interesting, right? They're going to be made good by the forgiveness of sins, of course. And this has this will come up again in Matthew 28, of course, the famous account, when Jesus sends the apostles forth, go and make disciples of all nations, both bad and good, you might even say there. <laughs> Baptizing them, that is, forgiving them their sins, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, giving them new life, resurrection, and the promises of heaven, right? All right. And then we have this wedding garment. Now we have some idea of what's going on there, because we have the invitation uh, and the people being received into the wedding hall, the heavenly vision. How do they come in through their baptism? Um, and so then what are these clothes that are necessary? Here Paul picks up on it in Galatians 3. You probably remember this section. Um, where should I jump in? How about here? Verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, here's the language of clothing, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, or, to use this parable, there's neither good nor bad, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according, uh, not by works, but by promise, right? All right. Um, Notice what Jesus calls the man, though, without the wedding garment. Coming, trying to enter by another way. He calls him friend, right? Now, friend is used in Matthew's gospel in a very particular way. We saw it back in chapter 20 um, with the uh, parable of, what was that? Oh, with the workers of the vineyard, right? Where uh, they complained about how the some were, th- those that worked um, only one hour were paid equally to those who had worked all through the heat of the day, right? We talked to, at how uh, that's the nature of the gospel, right? It's given to all freely, regardless of works. But uh, you remember that the vineyard owner says, uh, friend, am I not entitled to do with, with what is mine as I please, right? Do not begrudge my generosity. Why do you call, um, why do you call me, why do you call me evil when you're, how do you, why do you call me good when your eye is evil? That kind of thing, right? Matthew 20. Um, and of course, friend will come up again in a few chapters. Well, just actually one chapter. In the Passion account, uh, Jesus uses that word for Judas, right, at his betrayal. Right? So this is not really a positive use of all three of those. Friend, are um, they're not sarcastic. What would be the right word? Well, I mean, they're he's kind of subverting what you would expect that word friend to be used for, right? It's not a term of endearment. And the friend responds um, actually with nothing, speechless. There is no excuse, right? Um, of course, this is the kingdom of, of heaven. He's called it that. We said it's the resurrection. It's the wedding feast. It's the uh, wedding feast of, of the Lamb um, that it has no end. right? So being in the resurrection, um, who is it that is speechless in regards to the resurrection? See that actually uh, next week with the Sadducees. The Sadducees will be left speechless when he, when he speaks of the resurrection and their denial of it. All right. So what was done with the man without the wedding garment? Of course. He's bound hand and foot and cast into the outer darkness, um, which is hell. Now, um, that's not true for us, right? 
who was cast into hell for us? Go back to Matthew 4 and the temptation in the wilderness by the devil. Uh, and you'll see it he descended into hell. The descent will happen in uh, chapter 27. Right? It's Jesus who's cast into the outer darkness for us. Um, and there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, of course. Um, but then he arrived, then he entered, comes out the other side, actually, triumphant over the grave and over death and even over hell and darkness. All right, and then we have verse 14, which is a repetition. For many are called, but few are chosen. We had it back again in, um, actually it was the parable of the, of the vineyard workers. Again, Matthew 20. And the conclusion of that labor is hired in the vineyard. In both cases, Jesus is highlighting um, the fact that through his, or though his word is preached uh, to many, there are many who reject the gift of salvation that is proclaimed in the darkness. Right? They refuse to, to follow the light, if you like. Right? It's not out of failure to hear God's words. It's out of uh, the hardness of, of our heart. Okay, let's try to summarize this. God the Father is the king who has prepared the wedding feast for his son, whose bride is to be the church. The invitation had been given to the children of Abraham to come to the wedding feast by his servants, the prophets, but they were rejected and killed. Jerusalem had been destroyed and the people taken into exile, yet they would not listen to the prophet Jesus when he came preaching repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Now the Father would send out the apostles to invite the nations of the earth to come to the feast, at which his son was to be the fatted calf. Christ was sacrificed to be our food as we eat his body and drink his blood given and shed for the forgiveness of sins. It is Christ who will be our meat and drink at the heavenly feast of the bridegroom, bride and bridegroom. Those who rejected the invitation are not worthy, for they did not live by faith, but trusted in their own works. There is one who even dares to come to the feast without the wedding garment of the righteousness of Christ, which has been given to all the baptized. He is cast out because the faithful are all called to wear the robes of the righteous one, or their sin is fully exposed. This is a parable which calls us to all to live by faith in Christ alone and his righteousness, as we hear the preached word and feast upon the body and blood of Christ. Indeed, Christ teaches us here that faith cannot live apart from the divine service, right? Which is the same feast. All right, we get to sing our hymn one more time. What is the world to me? Oh, uh-huh. 
his content. Though gold should fill its coffers, I have a higher good. Content with it I'll be. My Jesus is my will. What is the Let us pray. Let your merciful ears, O Lord, be open to the prayers of your humble servants, that they may obtain their petitions, make them to ask such things as shall please you. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Heavenly Father, lead us out of temptation. Guard and keep us so that the devil, the world, and our sinful nature may not deceive us or mislead us into false belief, despair, and other great shame and vice. Although we are attacked by these things, we pray that we may finally overcome them and win the victory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Pray this day for faithfulness to the end, for the renewal of those who are withering in the faith or have fallen away, for pastors as they prepare to administer Christ's holy gifts, and for receptive hearts and minds on the Lord's day. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. We give thanks to God today for Jeannie celebrating her birthday and Levi celebrating his baptism. We pray for the households of our church, especially Jared and Michelle, Jackie, James, Dolores, Jonathan, Walt, and Ruth. Pray for our catechumens. We pray for those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Joe, Melanie, Kelsey, Christopher, Marcy, Brad, Eileen, and Ron, Doug, Beverly, Donna, Jim, Pat, Wendell, and Darlene, our homebound Marcy, Marion, Dan, Paul, Dolores, Merlin, and Pauline, the missions and mercy work of the church, especially Sheboygan County Hispanic Ministry. We continue to intercede on behalf of Stephen and Penny and their family um, in need of new employment and housing. Um, If you are so compelled uh, to provide for them, I'd encourage you to do so. Um, Also continue to pray for Naomi, probably at this point recovering from surgery, God willing. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. 
All right, that's our congregation prayer uh, for this day, uh, Saturday, August 12th. I'm recording this in advance. I am out of town with Naomi, so that's uh, uh, hopefully everything's worked out just fine for you. Tomorrow we have divine service at 9 o'clock with a guest preacher, and that would be uh, Reverend Tom Gunmanson, who was uh, previously, I think, senior pastor at uh, St. Paul's Falls. So uh, be kind and gentle with him. Um, You still have an organist, though. Ethan will be there, so that's good. And... um, what was I going to say? Oh, after Divine Service tomorrow, you have Voters Assembly. So um, I hope that you can um, uh, stay for, for that um, as we continue to uh, need to make further hiring decisions for the for our congregation. And uh, that'll be that. Hopefully I'll be back, um, well, maybe be back this weekend yet or next week. We'll find out after the surgery what kind of recovery we're looking at. Uh, we're approved for seven days, so... It could be as late as uh, Wednesday, hopefully before then, though. All right, Lord be with you all, and we'll see you hopefully soon. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church, Sherman Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org that's stjohnrandomlake.org slash support and give today.